No, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it as short as I can because I know you guys want to go home now and I want to go home for the record. Uh, but uh, go ahead and take your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 8. Uh, just to let you know a little bit about me, this is my favorite book of the Bible. Um, I, uh, I love the stories that it tells and uh, I, I love how we can, of course, apply that to our own lives. But most importantly, it's the story of Samuel. There's a reason that Samuel is the namesake of the book. And uh, actually, if, if you compare 1 Samuel to 2 Samuel, Samuel is only in 1 Samuel. So I don't know why they called 2 Samuel Samuel, because Samuel is never even in it. Uh, technically, it should be the, the book of David. But 1 Samuel is actually uh, about Samuel. Uh, he is the, the prominent figure. He is, he is always there. And even on into like later on, midway through the book, he's still learning lessons, even at an old age. Um, and one of those lessons that he learns, particularly, uh, we're going to look at today. Uh, and today, we're going to look at two hearts. The heart of a prideful man versus the heart of a humble man. And this is all told from Samuel's perspective. Um, back in those days, of course, you know, there was no king in Israel. Uh, that's the very last verse in the book of Judges, actually. There, back in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did. That was right in their own eyes. Um, and Samuel, of course, was the, the, the final judge slash the first prophet of Israel. And uh, here, um, Samuel is, is, being, uh, is being told by everyone else that they, that they want a king. Uh, look at verse 19. Um, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we may also be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people, and he rehearsed them in the ears of the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Hearken unto their voice, and make them a king. And Samuel said unto the men of Israel, Go ye every man unto his city. So the people of Israel were, were, were wanting a king. They wanted to be like all the other nations. Blah, 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 blah. You've heard, this. You've heard all this before. But now we get to the man that God called, the, the first man that God called to be the king of Israel, and that guy's name is Saul. Uh, Saul, of course, uh, we're introduced to him in uh, 1 Samuel chapter 9, the very beginning of the chapter. Uh, there was a man uh, of Benjamin whose name was Kish, the son of Abel, the son of, Z uh, of Zeror, the son of all these names, uh, the son of Aphi, uh, a Benjamite, a mighty man of power. And he had a son whose name was Saul, a choice young man and a goodly. And there was not among the children of Israel a goodlier person than he. From his shoulders and upward, he was higher than any of the people. The first thing that we're told about Saul is his physical appearance. We're told that he was handsome. And we're told that, that, uh, we're told that, he, was, that he was taller than any of the, uh, any of the people. Um, his physical stature was impressive. Um, the fact that he was head and uh, head and shoulders above all the other people gave him a kingly presence. Um, so, of course, you know, you look at the, his, his outward appearance, and of course that's the first thing that the Bible tells us about him, is that he was, he was, he was good-looking and he was tall. Um, but when we look at 1 Samuel, <clears throat> 1 Samuel chapter 10, uh, when he's actually introduced to the people, um, he is, uh, he, he, it, it's a little bit different of a, of a story. Verse 17 in 1 Samuel chapter 10, And Samuel called the people together unto the Lord to, uh, to Mizpah, and said unto the children of Israel, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I brought up Israel out of Egypt, and delivered you out of the hand of the Philistines, and out of the hand of all kingdoms, and, and of them that oppressed you. 
And ye have this day rejected your God, who himself saved you out of all your adversities and your tribulations. And ye have said it to him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now, therefore, present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken, uh, basically chosen by, like, casting lots and stuff like that. Uh, And when Samuel had caused all the tribes of Israel to come near, the tribe of Benjamin was taken. I already read that verse. When he had caused, verse 21, when he had caused the tribe of Benjamin to come near by their families, the family of Matri was taken. And Saul, the son of Kish, was taken, and when they sought him, they could not, he could not be found. Therefore they inquired of the Lord further, if the man should yet come thither. And the Lord answered, Behold, he hath hid himself among the stuff. Saul knew that he was going to be selected as king, but his response was to run away and hide. The Lord saw Saul as a man of great, uh, uh, saw, uh, the Lord saw Saul as a man of greatness, but Saul never learned to see himself that way. God chose him for a specific reason. Saul did not, I guess, understand that reason. Even when, uh, uh, when Samuel first told him that he was going to be king, Saul was like, oh, no, 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 I, don't, I, I, I can't be that. that. I can't be the one. Uh, if, for those of you that uh, know anything about uh, how to write fiction and stuff like that, the hero's journey always includes the, the part of the hero rejecting the call. Um, Saul here rejects his calling of, of the Lord. And as a result of Saul hiding himself away and, and not, being, uh, not being willing uh, to, to, to be the king, the vision Saul did, ha- uh, did have of God's plans became less and less accurate over time. He did not believe the Lord would give him the strength to perform what he had commanded him to do. So when we first meet Saul, we're not presented with the picture of a man who had great faith in his abilities to govern. He was little in his own eyes, as, as the Bible says. Uh, As long as Saul maintained this humble attitude, the Lord was able to work in him and through him to achieve his purposes for Israel. James writes, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Truly humble people submit themselves to God's sovereign authority as ruler of the universe. Uh, uh, Sorry, let me read that again. Truly humble people submit themselves to God's sovereign authority as ruler of the universe. They give their allegiance to him. They obey his commands and follow his leadership. They draw near to God by pursuing the intimate relationship with him and long for for communion with him. They recognize the honor of being in the presence of a majestic and infinitely holy God. Even though Saul did not see himself at first as a man of greatness, the Lord was able to work through his humble submission and bring him great victory over his enemies. Uh, On throughout the rest of the, the... the, the book, or not the, the rest of the book, up until like uh, chapter 15, there are great victories that Saul achieves uh, that the Lord was able to work through. However, when Saul began to view himself as, uh, as greater than he was, his attitude led him away from humble submission to the Lord's will. As a result, the Lord raised up another man to serve as king in his place. God gives grace to the humble followers, but not to those who proudly set themselves against his purposes in this world. And Saul eventually, of course, showed his true self, his true nature, um, by disobeying God. It, it was direct disobedience as well. Uh, you can read about that in, in 1 Samuel chapter 15, but uh, it, was, it, was, it was blatant. Um, you know, he, he knew what God wanted them to do, but he decided not to do what God wanted them to do. Um, so Saul eventually disobeys God, and that's what eventually led to God taking his throne away and giving it to another. Let's talk about that other person, shall we? 
Uh, so let's shift gears here to uh, go ahead and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 16, and let's look at the life of David. Now remember, like I said, Samuel is the, is the, is the point of view character that we have here in, in, in this book. Um, he's the one who's, uh, at least it's been theorized that he's the one that's been writing this book. Uh, that's not been set in stone. Um, at least I don't think that this book was written on a stone. But uh, verse, uh, chapter 16, uh, way back before, Samuel, of course, talked to Saul first. And now here Samuel is, again, looking for his replacement. Um, and that is, of course, David. Um, but in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 7, uh, actually start in verse 6, um, this is when uh, Jesse's firstborn son, Eliab, is being brought before Samuel. Um, and it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But then what does God say in verse 7? Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for, the, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Do not look at his appearance. It is quite likely that Eliab was a tall, handsome young man. Yet Saul had stood head and, uh, head and shoulders above all the men around him. Even Samuel was susceptible to the tendency to judge truth based on outward appearances. And God had to remind him that he did not choose his anointed because of physical attributes. This was a, initially a difficult concept for Samuel, as he was accustomed to a king who, whose only positive attributes were physical. Um, we live in a day and age where those who have some sort of a, a, a governing authority or something have to look good. Um, I'm talking in, as far as physical appearance. I'm not talking about in terms of political or stature or anything like that. Purely, uh, purely they, have to, they have to dress nice. You don't see the president giving the State of the Union address in his pajamas. You don't see the Queen of England going to uh, a wedding in uh, whatever her nightgown is or something. You don't see that. Um, instead, they have, to, they have to look good. Their, their appearance has to be nice and, and, and they have to wear the suit and tie and, and jewels and crown, whatever. Um, this, is, this is the way in which, in which they, they, they look to us. So man looks on the outward appearance. We see them, we respect them, partially because of that. But the Lord does not see that. The Lord looks on the heart. The Hebrew concept of heart embodies emotions, will, intellect, and desires. We tend to believe the evidence of our senses. After all, seeing is believing, right? But the fact is that seeing, that seeing often leads to believing in what is not true and viewing things from a worldly, from a worldly perspective rather than God's perspective. Um, how many of you like sports in here? A lot more than I was actually expecting. Um, I, 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 I've, I've grown up a big Green Bay Packers fan. I, I, I love the Packers more than my own, uh, the, more than, uh, my own family. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, for those of you that don't know, the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers is named Aaron Rodgers. I like him as a football player. He is a good football player. There's some issues going on right now, uh, contract-wise. But I like him as a football player. I do not like him as a human being. He has showed time and time again, ever since I was a kid, how arrogant he is, how prideful he is, how uh, not mean spirit. Well, yeah, mean spirited he is. Uh, he 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 gives off the 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 look of of pride in him, and it's gotten to the point where, I mean, right now there's a bunch of contract stuff. I don't care if he plays for the Green Bay Packers next year because I just don't like him. <laughs> but uh, as a football player, I like him. But as a human being, 
I don't. And that's, that, that's, that's kind of the, the similar uh, in, in, in the way that we look at others. Um, we can see them, the, the, their, their, their true self, their outward appearance might look really good, but deep down inside, there's pride, there's arrogance. Um, we don't know about what Eliab's spiritual state was. Um, obviously, he, he, he gives David a little bit of uh, sass in the next chapter uh, when David ends up uh, going, to, uh, uh, going to the war front and everything. Eliab gives him a little, uh, a little sass there. But um, we're not shown that Eliab was a selfish individual or a prideful, arrogant individual. Um, we just see that all God says is that he is not the one. Look not on his countenance or the height of his stature, um, for I have refused him. The Lord sees not as man sees. Look, uh, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And of course, the heart that God did choose to ultimately lead Israel uh, was found in verse, uh, verse 11 through, verses 11 through 13. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Are here all thy children? And he said, There remaineth yet the youngest, and behold, he keepeth the sheep. And Samuel said unto Jesse, Send and fetch him. For, he, for we will not sit down till he come hither. And he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy and withal a beautiful, uh, of a beautiful countenance and goodly to look at. And the Lord said, Arise, anoint him, for this is he. Now it's interesting. The, the way that David is always portrayed in, uh, in whatever form it is, wh- whether it's like, you know, Sunday school uh, pictures or, or, or on a movie or something like that. I don't know. Has there been a movie about David? I don't actually know. Um, but the, the way that he's always uh, appeared is he's always a scrawny little boy, you know, um, because I, I think people just take the whole don't look on his outward appearance kind of a thing. But no, the Bible says that he was, he was, he was, he was ruddy and with all of a beautiful countenance. He was a good-looking guy, is, is what the Bible is saying. Um, so both, uh, both um, David and Saul have that in common. Now, let's play a fun little game while we're on that subject. Let's play a fun little game of comparing David and Saul. Uh, the first question I have here, what are the two major things that David and Saul have in common? They were both handsome, as we just saw, and they were both kings of Israel. That's pretty much where the similarities pretty much stop. Now, there are other things that we could look at and say, okay, well, they're, they're, they were like this, or um, Saul was quick to go into battle in his, in his first battle. Um, and, and defend the nation of Israel, just like David was. However, uh, that, that, that's pretty much the only thing that they have in common besides other things that we could look at. Mainly, those are the two major comparisons we can make. Now, let's go ahead and compare David's family, his eventual family, with Saul's family. David's family, of course, they were all at each other's throats. In some cases, literally. Uh, they, were, uh, they, they were all trying to kill each other in the end. Saul's family, on the other hand, saved David's life a couple of times. Michael and Jonathan both saved David's life further down the road, whereas David's family kind of came apart. Um, so that, that's an interesting comparison that we could, we could look at. Um, basically, I'm saying that we can take these different, uh, say like uh, Saul, his, his pride and everything like that. Uh, you could live in a family where, you know, your father is, you know, one of the most horrible men who ever lived. Um, but you can take that and you can turn from that and you don't have to continue being like that. You can be like Jonathan or Michael and instead of trying to kill God's anointed, kill David along with your father, uh, you can decide to turn from that. And in the same sense, if, uh, if 
you, you can't just, um, if your um, family, if your my grandfather was, was an evangelist for years. Um, and uh, I can't just, you know, do whatever I want just because, oh, my grandfather was a preacher, I'm fine. You know, uh, in the same way uh, with David's family and Saul's family, that, that's an interesting comparison to make between them. Um, also, and ultimately, the one thing that, that I want to focus in on here is compare how Saul's introduction to the people of Israel was to David's. When Saul was first introduced, we, we looked at it, he, uh, he hid from everybody. He hid in the baggage. Um, he was timid and shy, too timid and shy to obey God. But when David was introduced to the people, what, what does he do? Instead, he gets out there and he's like, who is this Philistine that defies the armies of the living God? Saul didn't do anything like that <laughs> when he was first introduced to the people. He went and hid. Saul hid, but David instead was, was, was ready to do the Lord's, uh, the, the Lord's work. This book of the Bible shows us the contrast of these two hearts. And uh, I would encourage you, I mean, go through the rest of the book, and it's interesting to compare um, how David and, and Saul were um, reacted to different elements that were actually, and similar elements as well, not just different ones. Um, but uh, one heart, Saul's heart, was of pride and of disobedience. But David's was of a heart of humility and obedience. When Saul was anointed king, the qualities the people noticed were that he was tall, strong, standing head and shoulders above all his peers. When Samuel met the sons of Jesse, he was immediately taken by the eldest son because he was tall, strong, handsome. Humans tend to believe the evidence of their senses, which is unavoidable to some extent because we live in a physical world that is experienced through those five senses. But God transcends the things of this material world, and he does not see our lives through five physical senses. God looks on the hearts of people, not on the outward appearances. He sees beyond our actions and accomplishments, weighing our hearts and looking for those who are determined to obey his word. You know, it's interesting that if you look at the, the New Testament, you look at, um, you look at the life of Christ, we are not given any kind of description of what Jesus looked like. We're not told how tall he was, what color his eyes were, how long his hair was. We're not told the color of his sash, all that stuff. The prophet Isaiah even tells us that he has no form or comeliness. And when we see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. The Lord is not interested in physical, uh, in, in physical matters. He's concerned with whether, uh, with whether we reflect the heart of Christ and devote ourselves to obedience and faithfulness. This should be our focus as God's people. So let's go ahead and pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for these examples that you've given us uh, in your word. Uh, men like Saul that we see, um, who, whose heart was full of pride. Um, and in contrast, we see the, the, the other man that you anointed as your, as your king of Israel, David, and how, how humble he was. I pray that you would just allow us to, um, to try to be more like David and uh, allow ourselves to be humbled um, by, by you and, and, uh, and by Christ and remember what Christ has done for us um, and help us to devote ourselves to him um, and not be like Saul. I pray that you would just uh, allow these things to, um, to be on our minds throughout the week and throughout um, maybe the rest of our lives, Lord. I pray that this would be our focus um, as, we, as we go about our day. I pray that you would bless the, the rest of our time together in fellowship and uh, bless, uh, bless us as we uh, head our separate ways. 
pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.